Remember, for it to be a forward pass, it's got to go forward. Kaepernick, end jump, Crabtree, broken up, picked off! This game is over! Well, I'm the best corner in the game! When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get! Don't you ever talk about me! L.O.B. He wants to get in a fight, you can't do that! Quarterback, you can't fight! <laughs> You're very welcome along to the Off the Ball NFL podcast. Delighted to say we have uh, Kian Fahey at Kian AF, uh, Football Outsiders Football Guys, Sam Monson at PFF underscore Sam, uh, Pro Football Focus, and also uh, Donnie Mahoney from Off the Ball. Lads, you all very welcome. Hey. Yeah, thanks, man. Okay, so uh, we should obviously talk Peyton Manning. We should obviously talk Percy Harvin because um, some things have happened since uh, last we were convened on the podcast. Um, and maybe that's not a bad part, place to start, actually. Peyton's Greatness had been affirmed in so many ways already, Sam, that we didn't really need him to break a touchdown record. Um, and I, I don't really know how much more there is to say about it. No, I mean, it was always coming. Peyton Manning, for quite a number of years now, has been heading inevitably towards the top of all the, the career um, records for passing. I think the interesting thing is that we had that year of a of an absence where he went down with an injury, and then it threatened that maybe maybe we wouldn't see him top the the passing charts at the end of it all. But now he's taken Favre's touchdown record. He's you know probably going to take the passing uh, yardage record if he stays around long enough. And it's it's the the speed at which he's been able to do it. You know he's he's sat out a year essentially and is still done it at a quicker pace than Favre was able to. In terms of the the quality of this Broncos team with regard to last season's, the the offense wasn't quite at the same level, or had perceived been perceived not to be at quite the same level until maybe about two weeks ago, and then suddenly something popped key. But the defense has been absolutely amazing so far, and I don't know, maybe this Broncos team is actually far better than assuming these players arrive at the end of the season without um, the same debilitating injury list that they had last year, far better than last season. I'm not sure it's far better. I do think it's a little bit better simply because of DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller and uh, Chris Harris was playing very well this year on the defensive side. I'm still concerned about their inability to run the ball and the fact that Monty Ball hasn't really been the guy they want him to be. I know he's been injured as well, but before he got injured, he he didn't really look like a viable replacement for Sean Moreno. And Moreno was a big part of their success last year. Of course, they have so many weapons now that they can kind of just adjust and attack teams in different ways. Like we, as we've seen with Julius Thomas racking up the touchdowns, and on, on, he's on pace to, to set records for uh, receiving touchdowns this year. But I, I, I am concerned about what will happen when a team, a better quality defense, that uh, comes up against them and forces them to run the ball. And they're doing that with Ronnie Hillman and C.J. Anderson, and maybe maybe Monty Ball when he's back. I'd still be a little bit concerned about that. But in terms of matching the production of last year over a 16-game regular season, I think they can do that fairly comfortably. Who actually has a defence that might be able to do that, though, at this stage, um, kind of seeing the weakness, for example, that we've seen from Seattle? Are, are there teams out there with really strong, maybe Detroit at some point? Detroit is probably looking like the most likely, but even then, when you get Manning going against that secondary, he's probably going to be able to pick it apart. Uh, I think the Chargers, and obviously that's happening this week, the Chargers, if they were at full health, would be a great matchup, but they're not at full health, full health this week. They're missing Brandon Flowers, who is a cornerback, who's very important to what they do. Brandon Flowers, I, I, I do think you're, you're right to be concerned about how many defences there are because the quality of defences this year I don't think has been great. You can look at teams like the Rams and the, the Cardinals, or, sorry, not the Rams, the Ravens and the Cardinals, and teams who seem to be playing well, but you look at the, the individual personnel and you think Peyton Manning would be able to pick them apart fairly comfortably. Brandon Flowers is missing because he tried to kill Jamal Charles with his own head last week and uh, came off second best in that one. So That never works. Here, I've got, a, I've got a defense who can stop them. Yeah. Seattle, they've already done it. No, they can't do it. Yeah, they, they've done it once this season and they're going to do it again. They didn't do it once this season. They, they tied with them at home. So ah. next time they meet on uh, neutral... And also Seattle aren't Seattle anymore. Well, they were... The Seattle defense was pretty good for three quarters. That game. That game is actually where when Manning sort of unpicks them in that in that fourth quarter, it's the beginning of the cracks that seem to have taken hold uh, this year. But you're telling me this Seattle team, they turn it around, get to the Super Bowl, and they're playing Denver, 
Which Again, a rematch. Minnesota this year, isn't it? Indoors, right? Yeah, I think so. We've yeah, it's Arizona. That's Arizona this year. Even better. Oh, yeah. Boom. Seattle, you're back. That defense, they can do it again. I don't know. Let's move on to Seattle because uh, we didn't talk Percy Harvin, but actually let's start with the defense. Sam, what is going wrong with Seattle this year or are we overreacting and they've just had a, a difficult start to the season schedule-wise? Uh, I think it's more that they've had some, some pretty nasty injuries that have, have caused problems. The The schedule's been... You know, not great, but it's something you would have expected them to deal with. I think they should be able to beat a team like Dallas at home. You know, Seattle don't tend to lose at home regardless of what they're going through. So you would have expected them to win that. They're they're not getting as much pass rush up front as they got last year. And when you couple that with a lot of injuries in the secondary, basically Sherman amongst their corners is the only guy who's really managed to to stay healthy for the, the full time of the season. Those two things together equal problems in the passing game, and and that's I think their biggest issue. Is it also a bit of a fluke that the Rams beat them with two of the trickiest trickster tricksters that we've ever seen? It's not a fluke. It was yeah. I mean, it's it's not a fluke. Those were two really nicely executed special teams plays, but at the same time, it did take two special teams trick plays to get it done. I mean, you know, if you take those away, obviously Seattle win that game, and that's not going to happen every week. So. I don't think it's fair to say it was a fluke, but you can't see it repeating anytime soon. It's the problem with being the big dog. Everybody's gunning for you. So, the, you know, the Rams, they've got those crazy trick plays in their back pocket. They're going to use those once, maybe every two or three years. You know, the risk is so high with them. So who are you going to use them on? Go for, you know, you've got the Seattle, you've got Super Bowl champs in your own house, ready to get knocked down. You pull it out. Those are the realities of being Seattle. They're not coping well at all with, with the crown. It's, it's wearing very heavily on their head these yeah. days. You know? we, um, we have Mike Gervais, the guy who is the Seattle Seahawks um, psychologist on off the ball. And uh, he's, he's, um, I, he didn't really have much to say about when we asked him oh. about this, this specific issue. You know, what, what's going on? He's like, oh, we just have to get back to doing the things that we were doing. It's a different yeah. team now. Yeah, you know, new year, new way of doing things. Yeah, uh, like... <laughs> now, the thing is, no self-help guru can prepare you for the, the genius of the uh, that punt return. But then at the same time, that punt return, how, how many punts? Why didn't somebody watch it? Why didn't somebody keep their eye on the ball? If anyone's going to watch the ball, you think it would be Seattle. They just seem to be that little bit more competent than most other teams. Yeah. The ball is in the air. You're chasing On it. the far side of the field. Like, and it's, it, it's even in a dome, so there's really no excuse for losing <laughs> it. Why? I don't, under, I don't either understand why that play isn't used more. It was the greatest play I've ever seen. I had to watch it three or four. I was watching, I was out Sunday night, came back, I was watching the replays on mute. And I, I just, I saw that play and I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. I could not understand it. It's it's a really smart play. It's a fantastic play design. It's clever. It, it kind of exploits what special teams units tend to do. And it's just, it's really, really good. The, the Bears used it years ago, uh, back when Devin Hester was terrifying teams. You know, if you've got a good punt returner, you know more or less that if you put in, if you lean him in one direction, the chances are the 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 punting team is going to kick away from him. So you can kind of guarantee the ball going in a certain direction. Um, and then all they did was they pretended that the the ball had gone off the other direction. Everybody went in that direction except does, the guy catching does, it. Does the kicking team not kind of explain? Does they not just tell each other here. I'm kicking this to the right, lads. Or oh, what about the kicker who yeah, knows where it's going? It's like, it's like you hang kick, on a second, lads. You're going the wrong way. Do you not a, lot times, a lot of times, depending on the punter, you know, the punt may be supposed to go left, but the punt goes right because the punter hits it wrong. And you're as a gunner, you're essentially watching the punt returner and the the yeah. way that the blocking is setting up. So if all of that heads to the right, you're not going to assume that they're lying and that the ball is going in a completely different direction. You're going to assume they're going where the ball's going. Yeah, pretty awesome stuff. But uh, I also really liked the fourth and whatever it was yeah. that they managed to uh, get the first out of. That was incredible. It's crazy. Well, I mean, beautiful pass from the, uh, the he, punter. Turner, he's the punter. Really good. He could be like the quarterback for the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I and there's, you know, do they lose the game if they, if they punt? I, I don't know, but I, you know... It, Balls with a capital B, you got to respect it. Yeah. All right. So, um, what does everybody make about Percy Harvin? We um, again, Mike Gervais was not given too much uh, away about you know what a special talented athlete he is. But then doing all the research for that interview, you read about how important the environment is from Pete Carroll's perspective. They have uh, music throughout the facility. They like to dance a lot. They like to get high energy and and uh, a, a sense of care for each other. And suddenly the smear stories come out about Percy Harvin being bad bad moods, 
uh, liking to punch his teammates, uh, particularly the week of the Super Bowl. And I don't really know what the truth of this is, Kian. I don't think any of us really know what the truth is, but I think a lot of people have looked at it and said, oh, the Seahawks won the Super Bowl last year, the Seahawks were great last year, so they've got a great culture, they've got a great locker room, so if they can't handle Harvin, who can? And I'm not sure that's really fair, because the Seahawks this year have shown all the signs of a team that hasn't reacted well to winning the Super Bowl. On the field, they've shown a lot of lack of discipline. Uh, you have Thomas, Earl Thomas was blaming officials for their results recently, and then this week you had a Mike Freeman article about other players not getting along with Russell Wilson because he's not black enough or something along those lines, which is just bizarre. And then you kind of look at the Jets roster and you look at the Jets coaching staff and they've actually got a lot of veterans and they've got a lot of guys who have been to the playoffs. They haven't won Super Bowls, but they've got guys who've played a lot of games in this league and are guys on both sides of the ball, on the offensive line in particular and on, in the defensive front, who have, will have dealt with different characters, will have dealt with T-Boy era, will have dealt with all kinds of nonsense that comes with being a New York Jet for a very long time. And you kind of think Harvin might fit well there. And he is exceptionally talented. Like this week, someone described him as just a slot receiver, which is just r- ridiculous because he can, he can do anything that most receivers in the league can do and he can be used in any way. It's just the Seahawks kind of forced him into that role in Seattle. Yeah, uh, it's kind of like... I wonder if, say, none of the three touchdowns have been called back. Um, does everybody then say Seattle are crazy for trading this guy away two weeks after he scores three touchdowns? And actually, he was brilliant in that first game of the season. He was brilliant in the Super Bowl. They they do they can find ways to make him work. Yeah, it's a fantasy owner of Percy Harvin. I I just don't agree with that at all. I think he's, <laughs> they either they couldn't figure out how to use him in the offense, or he's mostly as a decoy. Like the numbers that he put up, you know, if you look at the stats in the cold light of day, don't really like. Read well. I, what I don't understand, like Seattle got nothing for him, right? So obviously they or they felt they had to cut their losses. They got him off the wage bill, right? Right, and they get him out of there, right? And they get nothing back. So their offense, like looks like their receiving core is really depleted. And you think just having him there, even as like a sort of a decoy, even if you're not going to use him, has, would have some value. But now you're left with Doug Baldwin and Doug Baldwin's good at the end of last season, telling last season four yeah. or five games in a row, he was um, coming up with some big plays. Yeah, there's, they just look the the whole complexion of that offense seems different, even if it's not, you know? Yeah, there's now an absence of superstars. Obviously, yeah. well, Marshawn Lynch, notwithstanding, and then it, it's Russell Wilson's team, so More I don't want anybody to overshadow him. Um, all right, just to talk about that uh, division, because the in the NFC, there's been this kind of long-standing thing that the NFC West, with the Cardinals, the 49ers, and the Seahawks, particularly San Francisco and Seattle, for the last number of seasons, these two, in some order, will come out of this division. But actually, you start looking at the records around the rest of the, um, the say for example, the NFC East. The Cowboys are six and one. The Eagles are five and one. Um, both Detroit and Green Bay are five and two. Um, is there a possibility that maybe Seattle don't make it out of the division this year, Sam? Yeah, I mean, there's a good possibility at the moment, as there is for any team that's that's hovering around 500. I think there's enough good teams in the NFC that you're going to need to do an awful lot better than that or win your division if you're going to get out that way. Um, and, you know, they're two games back in that division, but they're still very much in it. You would expect them to be able to beat the Cardinals and the 49ers uh, on any given week. The Rams just knock them off, but they're still a good team, especially when they get injured guys back. If they get a bit more healthy, there's no reason they can't take the division still. But if their record doesn't improve dramatically, I think they'll have to win the division to get out. Yeah, it uh, means that they're going to have to start putting in some pretty big performances. We've got to talk about uh, Andrew Luck as well, because um, the Colts shut out the Bengals last weekend. And uh, Andrew Luck is playing at, a, at an elevated level that's all of the hype um, that whole season when they were deciding to let go of Peyton Manning now seems justified, Keen. Um It's one of the most amazing beginnings to a quarterback career where he's just looked comfortable from day one and season on season, game on game, he's getting better and more accomplished and more intelligent and more articulate, if that's the right word. Yeah, well, you can nitpick the little things with Luck because he does still make some bad decisions. He does still miss uh, some throws that he shouldn't make. But when you look at that roster and you look at the plays that he does make, it, it, it's sometimes it's, it's just phenomenal the way he, uh, the amount of uh, the amount of disasters around him that he can cover up and just just keep that team winning. And as, as much as I hate the idea of a winning quarterback, he's kind of turned himself into that because you see, even when they're down by twenty points, they will just they're always in a game. No one's turning that game off when they're down big, even against a good team. Uh, I think the, the game last week kind of made me more excited about the rest of the calls because their defense did look quite good against the limited Bengals offense. 
I, I still think they're going to be completely reliant on him to, if they if they want to be a Super Bowl contender. I do think they're they're going to comfortably be a playoff team because they're in a very weak division. But I'm not sure if Luck is is at the point yet where he can carry the team all the way to the Super Bowl against a team like the Broncos or even the Patriots who would probably be there and the the, the Chargers who are also going to be quite a good team I think late in the year. Yeah, considering how people thought about their defence before the start of the season, that's probably already a significant sign of the progress that he's making that you'd have him in the conversation and you would give him a chance against any of those teams. Yeah, you give him a chance, but I think if they ever played against each other, he'd need to still play one of his best best games. He hasn't done that in the playoffs. He played very well last year and in the second half against the Chiefs. But whenever they played, like like they played the Patriots, and when he was a rookie, and they just they were comfortably beaten. And last year they were comfortably comfortably beaten eventually. So he's still going to have to be brilliant. But he's been so good to this point that you kind of expect him to be brilliant. Also, the Bengals were the uh, best team in September. Yeah, the worst team in October. It's October now. Yeah, so nearly November. They're, I mean, they've been terrible this month. It's odd how see, <laughs> the the months can affect teams, but I mean, the, their defense is really gone. Uh, Dalton looks terrible. Like you, it's weird how like AJ Green, you know, he's gone and I, I believe he's back this week, but their collapse has entirely uh, coincided with his toe injury. I think so. I don't know. Maybe you know. Maybe they turn it around that. But like Baltimore's leaving them behind, and um, you know maybe you know like there might there might not be any way back for mm. Andy and the Lions. Yeah, maybe they shouldn't have given him all that money in the off season. Well, uh, well, hold on. I, maybe they shouldn't have walked into uh, to Foxborough a month ago, very in a cocky way, thinking that they you know they're here, they're going to bury the Patriots. Things turn that week, and they're you know it's funny how the NFL can change. Seismically in three or four weeks, you know. Yeah. Okay. We get to see him up against um, Joe Flacco this week and a Ravens team who are playing like the team who down the stretch two years ago uh, won the Super Bowl. Did you expect any of this, Sam, from this Ravens team from Joe Flacco pinging those deep balls to a reborn Tory Smith? Steve Smith and Tory Smith. They uh, they're getting production out of both uh, receivers. No, I don't think we could. Any of us really saw this coming. I think their offensive line has been a complete turnaround from last year. They had one of the the worst offensive lines in the NFL last year, and this season I think it's it's been one of the better ones. Um, and that allows you to do everything. You know, the offensive line when you don't have a guy like Peyton Manning, you know, when your quarterback's Joe Flacco, the offensive line is everything. And it's it's no coincidence that he's having a much better season this year now that he's got time. Now that he can hand the ball off and rely on the running game a bit, even if it's um, a guy like Justin Forsett who's getting the, the production out of it. Yeah, like, is it possible that Forsett is actually quite good and that he's a significant upgrade even on the uh, Rice-Pierce um, double act last season which stuttered their way through the entire season? Or is it just a function of the quality of the offensive line that actually anybody could plug in there at uh, running back now and do what Forsett's doing? I think Fortet's always been a really talented guy. Um, he's 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 a lightweight guy. He's a smaller guy than most people. Um, so he's he's never really given the opportunity to be the lead back, to be the featured guy in an offense. But every time he's been given carries or even used in an offense, he's always been productive. I think when your offensive line is performing really well, you know any running back looks good. But he's definitely a legit talent that's just reaping the benefits of a line playing well. Okay, I, I guess everybody expects the Ravens to win that division at this point. Well, I mean, if the, if the Bengals don't win this weekend, I think the, the deal is done. Um, the uh, New England Patriots, as you've, mm. you've mentioned there, uh, yeah. September bad, October good. Well, is this the truth? Not, September not that great. October, back to where things, back to where we like it. Only have the one game lead in the division, so we're not getting too cocky. But... Um, you know, we're just plugging away. Things are, we're just improving. Obviously, some people um, were panicking and uh, <laughs> overreacting. But, you know, it's, it's a 60-game season. That's why they play the games, <laughs> as they say. Uh, are you convinced by this, like, kind of having watched this team over the last number of years? Is this team a good team? Is this a, a decent version of them? Or it's just it's, it's, It reminds me of a lot of sort of their, like, their second-tier versions that just sort of get by when beat up the AFC East you know, turn up for a big game now and again, lose in the championship game or the game of the week, the, whatever they call that before it, you know, like it's not, you know, Brady's 37 years old. The weapons aren't there, but, you know, keeping the fans happy, winning, doing what we got to do. 
can't really complain in a way, you know. They've got the Bears at home this week. The Bears, at, the Patriots are at home. The Bears on the road have been decent this year. The Bears mm-hmm. at home have been a disaster. There was the row, uh, Brandon Marshall afterwards pointing the finger at everybody else. Not himself, mind you. No. I think Brian Urlacher was being critical of Jay Cutler today as well. You know, like some, I don't, it's weird. A lot of times this actually seems to benefit uh, NFL teams, these sort of locker room implosions or explosions. But the page, I don't know. I don't. I don't like. I don't like the vibes out of Chicago. I don't. They seem like they should be winning more than they are. You know. Yeah. Well, they definitely have uh, all the talent, but none of the production. What's the story, Keen, with Jay Cutler and his offense? Why the hell have they been so? Why have they been having their bellies tickled by these teams and, and smacked down so easily? Well, early in the year, it appeared to be injuries, or Marshall and Jeffrey weren't fully healthy, and they were playing through injuries. And it looked against the Falcons last week, it looked like they were all getting back on the same page, and and the offense was starting to work the way it's supposed to work. But then last week, it was just reverted back to what they looked like early in the year, where you're you're making stupid decisions, and you're not playing to your full potential. Like Cutler threw a bad interception, I think it was in the third quarter of that game, and just one play before, if Brandon Marshall had come up and over the middle of the field, caught a first down, made a big play. Except Brandon Marshall had ruined that play because he pushed off on Cortland Finnegan to create separation and it, was, and it was a penalty and they put him back in behind the chains. And you're looking at Brandon Marshall going against Cortland Finnegan, you're thinking, Brandon Marshall should never have to push off against Cortland Finnegan. He should easily be getting separation from him all the time. And it's just little things like that that aren't really happening the way they should. Like Matt Forte, I think, is the only player who's actually playing to his ability on that offense. And even he seems to be being taken out of games by Tressman, not giving him the ball. So you're kind of, you're hoping everything can fix itself. But at this stage, it looks like there's just too many things that have gone wrong. And it looks kind of like what the Saints are doing and where everything is just not in sync and not working the way it was designed to work. All right. Weird situation with the Bears, though, because last year they had sort of two quarterbacks that they thought were amazing. And they had to kind of choose between them. And now they've got none. They've got like the team's turning on Cutler, and McCown's gone went to uh, Tampa Bay and was a complete disaster. So just odd how things go sometimes. Maybe they should have traded Cutler for more and used those picks next year. Mike Glennon, maybe. Hmm. Uh, right. Two things that we definitely have to talk about, which is the NFC North, and that's the Lions and the Packers, both five and two. They both arrived here at being five and two in slightly different ways. In that. The sense of momentum behind Green Bay at the moment is really palpable. People are thinking from a team that was like, ooh, look at all the difficulties they have to. Wow, they've got the best quarterback in the league, uh, maybe even better than Peyton Manning, the way he's playing at the moment, and they're unstoppable. What's the truth then, Sam, about Green Bay? Or uh, is that a question that kind of needs to be answered in Week 16? Uh, I think we know their quality side. I think we knew that, you know, most of the way along. They had a, a rocky start to the season, but I think we always expected them to come good and at least be challenging for the playoffs um, come the end of the year. Aaron Rodgers, again, had a, a bit of a rocky start to the year, but is back on song, and Aaron Rodgers on song is as good as anybody in the league, you know, including Peyton Manning. Yeah, I think we're we know that the Packers are going to be good. The question is if they're going to have another hiccup somewhere along the season and open the door for a team like Detroit to, to, to challenge them or if they're going to go away at the top of the division there. Yeah, the Detroit victory um, where it looks like the Saints are going to establish themselves as a team who are a real team this season as opposed to um, somebody you can't trust. Uh, and then in three minutes, the, the Lions just win the game at the end of it. Uh, and they do it without Calvin Johnson. And I, I, I'm just trying to think Keen, there's still not that much credit for a quarterback who orchestrates this come from behind victory, maybe because he didn't really orchestrate it. And that's, the, you know, the defense um, get an interception and, and run it in. And then there's a, a couple more good plays. But uh, are they winning in spite of Matt Stafford's? In spite might, might be a bit too strong, but I, I would probably lean that way if you forced me to say yes or no. I would say that they are winning in spite of them. Uh, if you look at the that game as a whole, he didn't play well. And then if you look at the key uh, plays at the end, like the, the first touchdown to Golden Tate uh, in, in the fourth quarter, that to me was a poorly thrown pass. The Tate's running an out and the defensive back is underneath underneath the route and Stafford throws the ball to a spot where it should be right in the defender's hands, but the defender turns around and runs towards Tate for some reason. I think actually that... Stafford says that. I, I was just watching the NFL game day last night and I don't know if it was that one, but there was definitely one where... There's a score or an amazing play. I didn't even throw that very well. It was just an amazing play. by, uh, And you're kind of thinking, hmm, that's a quarterback who isn't very high in confidence. 
Yeah, well, that's and the thing about that is the the Saints defender does that because he plays for the Saints, and that's what the Saints defenders have done all year. <laughs> I don't, I wouldn't expect your average NFL defensive back to do that. And then you you get that touchdown, and then Drew Brees just comes up with this awful, awful decision on the interception, and he is, is the biggest concern for me of, uh, for, or the biggest takeaway for me from that game because he looks nothing like he did last year to me. He's played okay at times, but I think he's making just a lot of stupid decisions and he looks kind of limited. For the Lions, uh, in, in terms of in the NFC North, though, I think it is largely that the defense is terrifying people now. The Saints couldn't run on them. They didn't look like they wanted to run them. And a lot of teams have, have looked that way against them this year. And it's the, the benefit of investing so much in a defensive line. They've got, I think, three first-round picks on their defensive line now. So when you've got Ansa, Sue, and Fairley, and a, a nice depth there that's keeping them fresh all the time. So it's a bit like the Panthers team last year where the offense hasn't really got that much better but the defensive front is just leading them to a potential playoff spot. Say he comes back fully fit um, and uh, is a one-man terror zone for defences again. Does does the return of Calvin Johnson automatically make Matt Stafford a more confident and better quarterback and suddenly elevate this team to one that could go all the way this year? <laughs> Having Calvin, if you want to understand what it's like to have Calvin Johnson on your team, it's like go home, play Madden, put it on the lowest level, play as the Broncos and play against the Jaguars and just throw the ball down the field. Because that's what it's like throwing to Calvin. You just throw it up there, let him go get it. And he's going he's gonna to make any quarterback look a lot better than he actually is. But isn't maybe, is there also a case maybe that the Lions are better without Calvin Johnson? Would, would there be ev- the evidence of this 5 and 2 start? versus a few seasons of Stafford and Johnson doing their thing, but the team falling short every time. Maybe the... Maybe new with, coach. New with, coach. Yeah, that's true. But maybe Johnson becomes a disruptive force in the sort of scheme that they've actually managed to um, sort of unearth with Golden Tate and, you know, these kind of... Shot, these uh, running backs have kind of thrown... thrown All right, out. expand this crazy theory. Your, your point is that so Matt Stafford doesn't have Calvin Johnson just to feck it down the field to as... Um, yeah, they've maybe come up with a more evolved offense that's actually harder to stop than the one where it just seemed to be what their offense... I mean, I don't, I've never watched a load of Lions games, but from what I remember, it was basically like Stafford rolls back, buys time, buys time, Johnson runs. Stafford throws it as high and as far as he can. Stafford, Calvin Johnson scores Calvin Johnson, down. there's seven guys around him, and <laughs> catches it, gets tackled at the one-yard line, and then they get a touchdown. That, that seems to be like every Lions play I've ever seen. But now... Somehow they see they seem to have got they seem to be on something different here. You know they've ta- their greatest strength has been taken away, and it seems like they've actually they at least it you know on the basis of seven games, it seems like they've got something that kind of might work a bit better for them. Is this crazy? I don't know. Probably. Maybe, I mean, but having him as a decoy obviously has some effect as well. I'm sure just having him lining him out, putting him out for a few plays, confusing he, you know his 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 status there. Sam. Yeah, I don't think it's nuts. Having a guy like Calvin Johnson can be a bit of a double-edged sword in the same way having a really athletic quarterback can be. It allows you to get out of a lot of bad situations and, and turn a lot of ugly plays into into positive ones. But if you start leaning on that too much, it can take you away from what you're supposed to be doing. And, you know, that for all the plays where Calvin Johnson bails out a, a Matt Stafford throw by just sling it up in the air and he goes and gets it over triple coverage. There are plays where you don't even see Calvin Johnson because Stafford just heaves in that direction and instead it's too far off and it just lands right in the hands of a defensive back. Um, so there's definitely, I think, something to that. Whether Where that balance is, I'm not entirely sure. I doubt very much that Calvin Johnson is more of a negative influence than he is a positive one. Um, but there's, there's definitely something to the idea that it's not all good. All right, um, got to talk about Dallas six and one, and uh, they've got Washington. It's they got Washington at home on Monday night. Uh, after week one, people were like, "Oh, they should have gone for Johnny Football." This Romo, he's finished. His back is—he's an old man. Yeah, and now it turns out he's um, playing better than he's ever played. Well, he's—he's. He's, I, I don't. There's much less pressure on him because um, some something happened to uh, Demarco Murray over the offseason where he turned into like Emmett Smith times Walter Payton. Um, and maybe there's less, you know, there's less on less on Romo's shoulders. Obviously, they've sort of figured out they've cobbled together a defense that's actually really hard to beat. And you know, that win over the Giants was like case in point that they're like the best team in the NFC. Giants turned up there, tried to tried to beat them, and they were just Did that stupid stomping on the sign yeah, thing. They, yeah, and that was it. Or was that the week before? That was the week before. That didn't work for them either. Um, 
Can the start of the season, I remember somebody making the case for them being a potentially three-win team. I was like, yeah, I, I can see exactly how that would happen. Uh, and, and that was wrong. Um, at what point do we take them as a real team and say, this is going to last 10, 12 weeks, 16 weeks? Um, I think we had to take that point about two or three weeks ago, Dave. It's not a major surprise because we've always known that Rome was very good. And we always know the importance of the offensive line. And if you have an offensive line, <coughs> sorry, if you have an offensive line and a running back who can dominate the ball, you can control the clock somewhat. You can help your defense a little bit, maybe not a huge amount, but your defense doesn't have to be great if your offense is as good as their offense has been. And they, they have turned into what I thought the, the Bears would be this year. They've turned into a team a bit like the Saints from a few years ago, where they're completely reliant on their, on their offense, while their defense just has to make enough big plays to get by. And so far that's working, and I don't really see any reason to say that they're going to finish 8-8 eight and eight again or they're not going to make the playoffs. Whether they're a Super Bowl favourite or a Super Bowl contender is something I still wouldn't really commit to, but I do think they can continue doing what they're doing now for the regular season at the very least. Yeah, and if they get into the playoffs and they're still playing like this, they're, they're not really going to be afraid of anybody else in, um, in that conference. Uh, I, there's one final thing really just to ask you all what you're looking forward to most this weekend. We've got the, the London game, which is um, obviously meaning that there's like... 19 hours of uninterrupted uh, oh, yeah, football great. this weekend to watch. Uh, I'm particularly looking forward to the Seahawks at the Panthers this weekend because if they lose at the Panthers, that's a crisis. That's trouble. But I mean, the, and I mean the Panthers. The Panthers are pretty bad. I think mm, that's going to be like full blown. Yeah, I like. I'm looking this Jets Buffalo game. I don't often look forward to Jets games, but I, I kind of this. Um, I want to see what Harvin does, and you know if you know. I assume you know you got Decker back, you got Harvin. Like that team is that offense is like somehow some all of a sudden a little bit interesting. You know, just gonna want to see how that goes because if if Buffalo win, they're in their five and three, and like you know Kyle Orton has sort of righted the ship, and that team is you know with even without running backs are kind of interesting. So I think that game will have will be interesting and have some ramifications for the AFCs. Sam, what are you looking forward to the most? Um, I'm interested in Green Bay and New Orleans. Uh, on paper, the Packers should win that fairly handily, but the Saints have some ludicrous record at home um, in primetime games. They're like 18-1 and one or something, and they really need this game. So it'll be interesting to see if they have, if they do manage to turn up when they really need it or if they are really just a kind of a has-been team at this stage of the season. And on a, on a purely selfish level, I'm looking to uh, for Dallas to win against Washington because that, that might keep me in my survivor pool. <laughs> I think it's a safe enough bet, right? I, I hope so. I just It's one of those games where it's a division. You know, in the NFC East, there's no sure thing game when they play each other, but they really should win it. They might have a decent quarterback out this week as well. Colt McCoy. Keen, what about you? Oh, I'm too busy laughing at Sam in his survivor pool. He's like a six-year-old man. He won't play fantasy, but he has a survivor pool. Two and a bit on the line. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to the AFC East games. Uh, the Jets game, because of what Danny said, I agree with him there. But mostly the, the Dolphins are playing the Jaguars. Obviously, the Jaguars shouldn't beat the Dolphins. But the big thing for me was the Dolphins beat the Bears last week because they changed their offensive game plan. They weren't really focusing the ball to going to Mike Wallace. They were relying on Tannehill's movement, and they were getting Charles Clay involved. And I think if they can do that for the rest of the year, they might surprise a lot of, a lot of people and still be hanging around uh, come week 17. All right, that's interesting. Uh, I just picked up Ryan Tannehill on the waiver wire this uh, week. Yeah, that was you. We, we might talk a bit more about that uh, in a later section of the show. Lads, thanks very much. We'll talk to you again next week. Enjoy the weekend. Cheers. Yeah, yeah. lads. The one where we talk about mixed picks. I have no idea what the score is at this point, does oh, it? Because good, good thing you asked. I was making my picks, you know, in the haze of baby poo. Sure, I'm not sure that I was. Uh, That's an excuse, is it? As in, as in, it's certainly it's the excuse I'm using for my um, fantasy teams going in the shitter in the last five weeks. Mm-hmm. I was I making I'm, mine on the fly in here, though. So as the listeners know, I think I'm one in so. six in uh, the last three weeks. You're not doing well. One five in the last You're three. You're not weeks. doing well. Uh, the records are: I continue to lead the league at uh, seven, ten, and one after a one and two week. Um, Mick has uh, leapfrogged you into second place, Ugh. up to six, eleven, and one. And at the moment, the uh, person who will be on the receiving end of the Gatorade bath come Super Bowl oh, week. Balls! I forgot there was actually something yeah. on this. <laughs> this doesn't actually matter. Jared Gilroy five, twelve, and one. 
after uh, a one and two week followed up by a zero and three week the week before. So it's got a time to have a team talk. I think I'm getting some kind of feel for the league at the yeah. moment. That last I've had two two and one weeks in a row. This week was a true two and one. I was I was nowhere near on my third pick, which was Cleveland last last week. I was very unlucky for a three and zero. What did you win with last week? I had Atlanta minus seven against Atlanta, and I, sorry, I had the Ravens minus seven against Atlanta. That's a good bet. And I had Arizona minus three point five against Oakland. Yeah, two good picks there. You're Arizona right. beat Oakland. Yeah, by more than three point five points. Beat him by they beat him handily in the end. Definitely by more than three point five points. Yeah, that neither of those two were ever in doubt to be no. honest, which is always a nice feeling when you're. Did I not get any? I got uh, Indianapolis right last week, right? You get yeah. the Colts right. That was you your both pick. had the Colts. You also both had the Lions over New Orleans, um, which they only won by one point. It was minus two point five. Jerry, you took the Niners plus six point five, which we talked about on the show last week. Is never pick your own team. It's no. the number one rule of picks. That pick seems so stupid in hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> Every, yeah, we, we we did dismiss it at the time. Just just for once, we kind of seen that coming. And. Uh, Donnie had San Diego minus four against KC, which I was worried about at the time as well. I just had a feeling that right. hey. San Diego minus four, KC, KC won. KC so. won. They beat him. You know, they beat him. They did the job. I was, you know, I don't know, surprised actually. But um, I was duped by listening to Jim Harbaugh give a, a very nice, gentle Tuesday morning interview to KMBR in San Francisco. Uh, it just is like, yeah, it's great. We've been doing work for uh, two weeks. On, I mean, obviously, you don't just rock up and on a short week. Mm. Try and deal with Peyton, but you know our guys are great. And then they listed off their oh, all their guys were great and doing amazing things. And I was like, yeah, we're gonna do it. I'm on this. So the, this is Peyton's time of year as well. This is like you know oh, middle we, of the regular season before the playoffs starts. His, <laughs> well, that, that's, that's only a little oh. dig, but no, no, the middle of the regular season when he's in a good flow is just and and not like banged up yet and stuff. This is where he's actually the most unstoppable player of all time. Also, American sports are like so obsessed with. Records, like stupid records, and then once the record comes into play, it's like everybody can't even concentrate on the game anymore. Uh-huh. It's like there's these things take on an inevitability, including even Peyton Manning. Who'd have thought that he'd have a special, like of all people, to have this like special dance? I know, but ready it, for his record. It was I watched that the first quarter? It was like, oh, well, the 49ers have no chance because this has to be the game <laughs> yeah. that, that Peyton Manning breaks this Brett Favre record. Where is Brett Favre right now? What does he think about this? It's just like. Brett Favre was on and Sunday pregame on NFL Network with uh, Steve Mariucci. Mm. He went to his house in like you know Birmingham or wherever he lives, and they did the whole show as a kind of a co-location thing from Brett Favre's massive backyard yep. and the studio. So like I mean, this was Brett was very much on board with the whole. This is this this you know th- he's taking my place here. So you haven't picked yet, so Mick. I have to say, I made these picks five minutes before I came on air, which is better than I've done in the last two weeks. Okay. So I've got three picks here. I'm going to start in Wembley Stadium, London. Ooh. At a half one on Sunday afternoon, which will be an interesting time to watch watch a game. Uh, it's uh, we'll, we'll see it as the Americans do every mm. normal Sunday. Yeah. Uh, anyway. I think that minus 3.5 for Detroit is actually a bit of an insult. They're technically at Atlanta, but, you know, it's in Wembley, obviously. Detroit aren't, you know, they're beating the good teams by a point or two, but they're also like, you know, they lost to Buffalo. They're not killing teams. So I'm not that confident about this. I just think they're way more than a four-point better team than Atlanta. I don't think Atlanta will be able to really move the ball against them and their defense isn't going to stand up to them, so... So the big question is: there, there any chance of Megatron playing? Um, he's travelled. Yeah. No, is the answer really? If they play, okay, him, well, Golden, Golden Tate will run all over the Atlanta secondary. The big question is: so this Matt Ryan outdoors theory does it apply? This is very to outdoors new, to different countries. <laughs> or is it only yeah, in America? The weather will even be worse here at this time of year. But maybe it's only American here. oxygen that he doesn't respond well to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. What yeah. about the, do they pump oxygen into indoor stadiums? Do they? Um, Just to make sure that it's fresh and like I don't. Well, free radicals okay. of O3. Unlike this studio. I, I really don't understand chemistry. But what I want to say, like, I, this week, at least we'll know now that after Sunday, is it just all outdoor stadiums that um, that, that, Ryan that Ryan can't play, can play in, or actually just American outdoor stadiums? Interesting point, though, that Atlanta play in a dome. It's a massive home field advantage. Mm. And they give one of their games up to go to London. I don't think they had a choice, I would say. 
Yeah, there's part of this is like... Uh, Everybody has to play a game at, at some, some stage. Point, yeah. Well, we'll see about that because I bet you certain teams like the Green Bay Packers and home other games. teams... So, but San Francisco have already been over. Dallas are coming. I mean, as a home game. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, bet, I'm, I don't think Green Bay or Pittsburgh are going to give up home games to come and play in London. Ah, Pittsburgh should have been giving up a home game to come and play in Dublin. We yeah, all know well, that. Well, and we where, remember, what, your, we remember, what, Dan, we remember what Dan Rooney said. He went, well... <laughs> It won't be the Steelers. I mean, we, 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 we have eight home games that are very, very, you know, important to us. We, oh, we'd love to come as a road team. Can I just talk as an American with this? No, yeah, well, that's the thing you, you do you, always. You challenge me. Yeah. We, and I'm talking about all Americans, we knew <laughs> I that. I speak for all of America. We knew that was never going to happen. <laughs> we knew there was never going to be a game here that, that Dan Rooney, lovely guy, great ambassador for his Flies team. his own planes. Doing his own thing. We we all, he, he said something and kind of, there was like, Something the way he said it that just told us, nah. It's a bit of twirl over there. You're mm-hmm. saying there was a bit of shillelagh stuck in his mouth. Just... Something about the way he said it in that he literally said it and then immediately said it probably wasn't going to happen. Roger Goodell told uh, Peter King mm-hmm. that uh, Dan Rooney was constantly in his ear about getting a game to Dublin. Yeah. No, no maybe not a Steelers game. Yeah. Not a Steelers game. Anyway. So Johnny says all Americans knew. Well, yeah. <laughs> All right, so. Detroit minus three point five at Atlanta. I'm, I, I think that's. I just think it's too small a spread. That's why I'm going for it. But I'm this not be, that confident about. it I think Atlanta are bad. But this could be sixteen nil. Like <laughs> it might that, be. Yeah. Somebody always seems to get killed when the game is in London. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah. Oakland were absolutely murdered last night. The next game I'm going for. I'm going to go with. Speaking to Steelers, I'm going to go with the Colts minus three at the Steelers. Uh, you know, we've gone against the Steelers a good bit here. They do seem like their record. I cannot believe that they're three and three. They Who? just seem to be a lot That's worse bad. than that. Yeah. Um, but look, the Colts are on great form at the moment. I also think that this could be like a pretty high scoring game. They're scoring so much. So even though it is in Heinz Field, like you know, the higher the score a game, the higher scoring a game, you know, the le- the the more chance of a bit of distance between them. So I don't think that the Colts are going to kill them. But I think they'll win by more than three points. So that's why I'm taking them. And then the last one, I'm going against my own advice and my the advice I gave to you last week, Jar. And I'm going to take, for the first time this year, the New England Patriots. All right. Minus 5.5 at home to the Chicago Bears. They've had 10 days rest. Um, They were run all over by the Jets last week. But I just really think a lot of that is they lost Jared Mayo on a Sunday. They're playing again on the Thursday. They have to get a new guy in there to to run the defense on the field, basically. That takes longer than four days. I think they might, like, they they reacted pretty well to losing Mayo more than anybody last year, more than Will Fork, more than, um, okay, more than Will Fork even. Uh, so, like, I think that they'll be able to, that they'll be a much better run defense this week and the, and the Bears' real danger is Jeffrey, Marshall, etc., Aren't playing well at the moment. Cutler's not As an owner well of Marshall, I disagree that the real danger is Marshall. He's <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Well, he should be the real danger, but he's not. They're falling apart. They're fighting with each other. Uh, Cutler's not playing well. The Pats pass defense with um, with uh, Revis has been brilliant. And now ah, Revis, well, little uh, wrinkle there, Mick. Yeah, Revis what? arrived late for training. Wasn't sent home. Wasn't at the practice. Okay, so. well, Browner came in last week for his first Ooh. game and was locked down. Is he fighting too? Didn't Browner give away two holding penalties last game? Yeah. I One of them was really harsh. Okay. Holding Still can't. Chandler Jones, is he out? Is he on the Patriots? No, yeah. <laughs> He's on the, right, stop now. Danny, okay. Come on, is he on the Patriots? Just want to be sure. Chandler Jones is back. High Terror was played last week. It was his first game back properly in two weeks. Okay. Patriots are going to, I think, kill them in the passing game this week. I think they're going to be able to hold them. I think they're going to win it by seven or eight points at least, and they're going to go and have their third home game in a row against Denver next week, actually in pretty Ooh. good form, and then let me down. But I'm going to take them this week. So that's, I'm going to go Detroit minus 3.5, the Pats minus 5.5, and the Colts minus 3, 3 covers. Okay. I'm going to start. No, 3, whatever the opposite of covers is. <laughs> um, I'm starting, I'm kind of going, I have bad feelings about all these picks, but... Uh, oh, me too. Mine are a disaster this week. So I've got the 1-6 Jets. <laughs> and the three. four and three Buffalo Bills games in um, Giant Stadium. I MetLife. I you've got the Harvin factor. You got a little bit of optimism there for the Jets. They had a 
you know, had well the last couple of weeks. Decent loss there to the Patriots. I think they see that almost as a win, considering where they had come from. You know, they put the Gino, they put that right, the Chargers game behind them. They move forward. They've now got a legitimate weapon in their offense. Buffalo has no running backs. Kyle Orton is quarterback. Now maybe Sammy Watkins is the next uh, Keyshawn Johnson. Johnson or something like that. But I don't know. I like the Jets at home minus three. So I, uh, maybe I, I actually you can read that thing that how is this four and three team giving three points to this terrible because Buffalo team. keep winning the weirdest stupid games of all time. But like you know, do you the want Jets to, could actually be a better team than them. Do you want to go against that as a gambler? Anyway, I am. So the Jets minus three. Now Tampa Bay have had a bye week. They've kind of recharged their batteries. You're going for another one and sixteen, one and five. Um, they're at home. Vikings. Teddy Bridgewater was amazing for one game. Yeah, injured, then came back and was terrible. Um, they lost to Buffalo last week on the road. I, I just sort of think Tampa Bay. I, I, I quietly have a quiet respect for Mike Glennon and Tampa I think Bay minus three. That division is still in play for them. They've still got something to play for with one win. So I think if they win, they win this game and they get their uh, season back on track with a win. And, um, That's a fair point. The that division's a that joke. division. Carolina are going to win that division with seven wins, unless New Orleans get their act together. Um, so they're actually not out of it. They're two games behind. Austin Safarian Jenkins, because of Peter Peter King, is <laughs> you need to give idiotic. Up on that guy. Uh, I've had him. On my bench, taking up space. He's getting like three catches and four catches and four catches and three catches. And because of Gronkowski's uh, injury record, I've handcuffed him to to Tim Wright. Yeah. Uh, So I have three tight ends, two of whom are absolutely shit on my uh, team. Taking up two roster spaces. How to run a terrible Tim Wright had a one good game. Exactly. He had one good game. So I signed him after that. But it does mean that if Gronkowski gets injured, Tim Wright's going to be a factor in their offense. Mm. I never mentioned that with the Pats. Gronk is looking better every week. Yeah, still dropping balls in the end zone, or getting a touchdown, having a call back, which would have won me the game. Stop being angry about fantasy. We're talking about the actual game here nah, for a minute. Gronk's playing well. My Good last pick. See. My last pick. Um, based. I've actually uh, reversed uh, my my instinct here. I was. I had. I had was ready to pick the Packers to win in New Orleans on um, Sunday night, but then having listened to the last part and last part of the podcast and being a part of it. Sam threw out that eighteen and one stat yeah. about the, prime time. the Saints and prime, prime time. time, and I'm a big believer that some teams prime some teams play time. better when the, uh, the prime time lights shine on them. If they're minus one point five. You get a point and a half for Green Bay. No, I'm going with the Saints. I, the, the Packers have won four in a row. I think they're living a charmed life. They're due. They're due to lose. Saints also can take control charmed of that division. Life. They <laughs> kicked the living shit out of the team they played last week, I which was the Carolina Panthers, wasn't it? Yeah. So Panthers aren't good though. Their defense is terrible. They're and better than losing like forty nil to the Packers. They're not. They they drew the previous week with the also abysmal uh, Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals. So I like I inspired my I have major reservations with every one of those picks. But anyway, we'll it's see a tough this. week. You've gone for two teams that have one win mm. and are favored by three points to beat the spread. But yeah. look, I actually don't think they're bad. Okay. Manger. I have uh, five here. I've got to whittle it down. I like the Eagles at Arizona plus 2.5. I like the Rams at the Chiefs plus seven. I like the Ravens plus one against the Bengals in Cincinnati. I like the Jaguars to uh, go back to back. Okay. Or at least to get within six points to the Dolphins. And I yeah. also like Washington at Dallas plus 10. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of points. Yeah. 10 points on a Monday night. Yeah. Now, the, the possibility for that would be a complete blowout. But then uh, Cole McCoy looked competent. Yeah, skin's coming Cole off a big McCoy's win. always been competent. Mm. He's always been an okay quarterback. Like, he's kind of in that, well, maybe not Kyle Orton, but in that kind of, like, if you need a guy to just come in and do a job for a couple of weeks. First throw, Percy Harvin, thank you very much, touchdown. Yeah, Percy Harvin in one of my fancy teams had done nothing all year, despite being supposedly their main guy. That was nice to see. Pierre Garçon, I think you mean. We do mean Pierre Garçon, yeah. Jer started that, though. I did, did I? Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, I meant Pierre Garçon. He's got, he's got Percy on the brain. I do. With, uh, talking about him on the show and talking about him on the podcast. Uh, but I've just talked myself out of that because uh, I can't trust the rest of Washington, really. Can you? No, I can't. No. You can't. Not not the way Dallas are playing at the moment. Not like, two weeks DeMarco Murray could get 200 yards in that game. Philadelphia at Arizona, right? So Philadelphia, I actually think, are quite a good team. Arizona, I think, are in a slightly false position. And this is the first week I'm going to back against them because... They're leading that division as it stands, and they shouldn't be. I mean, 
Carson Palmer can't throw the ball more than 10 yards at the moment and it somehow manages to I completely disagree with touchdowns that. in the first 10 minutes. I would be worried. I think, I think, think they're probably in a false position like at the end of the season, but I don't think they shouldn't be leading that division. They've played well every week. I see loads of them because there's only ever two or three games on at that time. And I've got a bit of a, I've got a fantasy interest in Ellington. Mm. I, th- I, th- I think they're all right. I think Carson Palmer actually is a pretty good glue quarterback for them. Mm. They look a lot better with him. And and the Eagles, the only full game I watched the Eagles was against the Niners and they couldn't get out of their own way. Yeah, that was pretty awful. But their special teams were outstanding. Yeah. Um, the Nick Foles is chicken shit meme from <laughs> Buzz Bissinger was uh, something that has kind of also scared me off there. He's chicken shit. I, I might have gone too far there. But he is. He's chicken shit. He, I wouldn't have known that Foles was like a wealthy, the son of a the wealthy The richest guy. man in the, did you know the richest man in the NFL? Well, he looks like uh, Prince Charming from Shrek, I would say. He's kind of got that kind of haircut and look about him, so I'm not surprised. Okay, I so didn't know it though. You, you two bullies have talked me out of those two. I'm going Jacksonville plus six okay. at home to the Dolphins. We talked him into the Jags, Donnie. We're doing, yeah. we're doing our job. I signed Denard Robinson this week yeah. and Ryan Tannehill, so I'm hoping this is a like 42-40 game. The acts of a desperate man. I I have Miami defense who've been doing really well for me in one of the leagues and I tried to pick them up on both waiver wires and the other leagues couldn't get them. They're much sought after. Blake Bortles throws a lot of interceptions. Three or four game, yeah, it's true. Uh, Baltimore Ravens at Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati are busted flush. I think Baltimore are the real deal. I like everything about them. Um, Didn't even recognize Harbaugh in um, this week's game day. He was so small standing in the midst of those giants. They're liberated by getting rid of Ray Rice. I just hope that he does, Ray Rice does not come back to... But he won't be back to Baltimore. But maybe just the wrangling around that whole thing will just sort of... Oh, he'll, be, he'll get off his suspension and then no one will sign him. Mm. And they'll, like, he's been sacked by Baltimore. So they don't yeah, have to Yeah, he's not... That, like, he's, he's a complete free agent. free agent now. Like yeah, So I love that pick. I was afraid to go with it. I've had Baltimore for the last two weeks. I was, I was going to ride them out for a third week in a row just away in a division game against a team who should be better than they have been in the last three weeks. Yeah. Like, I know, I, like, I just don't trust that Cincinnati are as bad as they're showing they are. I think, I think if Baltimore go and beat them this week, as I think they will, then we can officially give up on them. But I'm afraid to go against them at the moment. I was going to take the seven points and offer for the Rams at Kansas, but I'm actually, so yeah. actually going to go... That was my next pick. I'm going to go Houston minus 2.5 at Tennessee because Tennessee are... That was, oh, I wrote that down there at home. God, lads. That's a good pick with that rookie that's quarterback. That's the old, the old oh. Oilers derby. Oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah. Look, I think that, that's a banker. Is it? Houston have lost three in a row. Metten- Close games, one against yeah. Dallas. Who else yeah, Pittsburgh the other night. Mettenberger. Oh, Flukely against them. Yeah, Mettenberger. I also signed uh, Jake Locker in in the uh, GA League. So now you know that uh, your your Houston pick is safe. Um, last week I was beating 85-82 in the GA League by Ewan McKenna. Mm-hmm. McKenna's team is unbelievably good. It's really good. Fair play Se- to him. Seven and out. Not Pey- as good as mine. Peyton Manning, DeMarco Murray... Kendall Wright, who weighed in with 12 points. Marshawn Lynch. He had Mark Ingram. Uh, he had Crosby, the Patriots. Vernon Davis. Andre Johnson. And I only got beaten by three points. Crosby of the Patriots? Crosby, Crosby and the Patriots. Oh, Crosby's sorry. a kicker. Yeah. I mean, you've got DeMarco Murray. You've got... Marshawn uh, Lynch. Marshawn Lynch. You've got Peyton Manning. That You've won the yeah. league. And I only got beaten by three points. And I started Derek Carr as my quarterback. <laughs> did. And... <laughs> Seconds after he does his first thing of the season, a fifty-yard run to rack up five points. TJ Spiller goes out with a busted shoulder, oh, yeah. and it's like mm, gone. That, well, was had, the, that was the end of that. I had Fred Jackson. So I, I think you're better off. Him. Sorry to interrupt, Donnie. I think you're better off without CJ Spiller. You've been hanging on to him, worried about him, giving out about him every week. I think the fact that he's just gone out of your life now for the rest of the year. I'm keeping him. Been going on for two years though. I'm keeping him. Well, at least for the rest of the season, you don't need to worry about him. Yeah, he's taking up a spot on my bench. I needed Antonio Brown to hit twenty points. He hit thirteen. It was a disaster. I needed him to hit 17. What's your record now? If he'd, if he'd caught that touchdown instead of throwing it, I might have actually had a chance of winning <laughs> that game. I probably yeah. would have with the distance. Sorry, I missed this. I didn't watch Monday night. I just checked the scores. Yeah, I had, uh, my, my fancy Brown, games were over. He threw for a touchdown. Yeah. Brilliant. Who the second it? one this season. I don't know. One of the, not, not Antonio uh, Brown. It wasn't Ben. He, he didn't throw it to himself. It wasn't it Marcus Wheaton. It wasn't Marcus Wheaton because yeah. I was waiting on him to get me 10 points. He didn't catch anything. 
I'm three and four in that league. I had all, all my games were so over by Monday night. I was about thirty points ahead in two leagues, and I was thirty points behind in one. Well, you're you're in this GA league that we discuss often. You're in a you're you're in a good position, six and one, I think. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, outside yesterday, I was like, I think I'm going to win that league. Last night, he said, in a, well, an unguarded moment. Well, it's I think not, I'm going to win that not, league. There's no, there's no difference Tell in that. being confident or, or you know, letting people know. It's not going to make any difference. Tell that to you and McKenna. We might have to get him on. Well, I've, got, I've scored a good few more points than you and McKenna this year. Mm. He, I just happened to lose in a moment of weakness to you. Oh, is that that's your one two loss? points. Oh, my God. Yeah, Forgotten in a bad that. week. I am starting Austin Davis, a quarterback, this week because uh, Kaepernick's on by. So I'm a little bit scared. We're going to the Chiefs. Yeah, they, but he's, he's, he's been, good. I like he's him. He's been racking up a lot yeah. of points. I'm just going to say yeah. this: playing in a dynasty league sucks. It's, <laughs> it's stupid. <laughs> Whose idea was it? <laughs> it's so stupid. Whose idea was it? Who who had to literally drag me kicking and screaming into this dynasty league that I'm now doing well in? Why yeah. does it suck? Because well, you, you can't did. drop players because and no one transfers. No, and there's too many players in the waiver wire. There's, there's no one in the waiver wire, right? So that we play with the league with 20 roster spots. Yeah. So if you're in a position like I am, where I've lost now my two running backs, Monte Ball and Fred Jackson. There is nobody. These are these are my three options. You got Anton Smith. I, these are my three options for next week. Anton <laughs> Smith, terrible. who I made the mistake of just talking about on this podcast last week, jinxing him. Yeah, he got was one doing point. great. He got he he broke his, hey, his man, great streak. Better than some of my, my <laughs> running backs. He got he broke his streak of scoring touchdowns on one on a single play that had been going like for like a month. A year. So that was gone. So the, he's there. I've I've got um, Stephon Taylor. <laughs> Stephon Taylor actually seventeen points last week. Yeah, two two touchdowns. That one of them, one of them was the biggest steal. Ellington touched the ball, I'd say, fourteen times in a row on the drive. He was like, they just kept giving it to him. He kept getting seven yards ago. He got kind of knocked up on the goal line. Went out for the first time. Taylor comes in, runs it in for a touchdown. Oh, devastating. My third running back is Joseph Randall, the uh, def- the, backup <laughs> the backup at at Dallas. Yeah, so. Like those, I have to pick two of those three for this week when I take on uh, who, uh, Billy Joe. I think Randall's not even the backup; he's the third uh, down guy. No, he is the backup. Well, whatever. He if if Marco goes down, he'll be the guy. All right. Okay. So I'm just kind of I'm just. Praying. You might start him and hope that the backup yeah, works. That's, that's kind of that's what I'm going on <laughs> in the game. And wow, I've, that's that's. I've really got bad. Matt Ryan as quarterback, so that's like outdoors. The, outdoors. Like he started. He, played, he was really good that first game of the year, and I thought, oh, I know Jarrah has made this mistake in. In uh, other fantasy leagues, where he d- he bought into this Atlanta Falcons hype this year, oh, and Jesus it's totally Christ, screwed by it. So when you like last week, I had um, the the good one, Roddy White on the bench, yeah, and, and Julio Jones on the team. They're like, oh, they're going to Julio Jones is the star, right? So they're going to give him the ball. They don't give him the ball. Yeah, but you can't argue with your decision there. You have to play Julio Jones. Yeah, just very you, you can't predict the future. Like you have to pick Julio Jones. He's going to get more points than Roddy White. He has fourteen a, out of sixteen weeks. I don't know. Not not at the moment. Yeah. Uh, so, but it's funny. Like I and so it's for one. Okay, my team is terrible. That's I can accept that. But it's going to be. It's always going to be terrible. <laughs> or I have to wait four years, like to <laughs> the year twenty eighteen, for um, Who like for like John Brown. And um, <laughs> Justin Hunter to come good, which like they might do in four years. But I like, have, why am I am I going to be playing then? I'm let not. me let me explain my wide receiver core to you here. Right, I have Antonio Brown, I have He's Julio Jones, not bad. I have Calvin Johnson, good. I have Odell Beckham Jr. and I have Sammy Watkins on this team. That's a very good team. I have no quarterbacks. I have no running backs. I have, I have Gronkowski as well. So, but when he goes, obviously, I have Austin Sverian Jenkins or that yeah. other <laughs> clown. Tim Wright's not going to be a clown. Give him time. And uh, when it, when you put any of these on the on the um, trading block, you're like, oh, I'll give you Bishop Sankey for uh, Calvin Johnson there, please. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, not really how trading is supposed to work. Like I'm I'm more of the barter system that the Celts used. We talked briefly last week about my uh, steal of a trade in another league. You cheated. This cheat. Something underhanded happened. Absolutely not true. Demarco Murray for what did you give him? I, Stefan look, Taylor. We, look, we talked about it last week. I got Demarco Murray. Steve Smith and Zach Ertz for Gronk, uh, Cordero Patterson and uh, Ellington. Ah, And it was an unbelievable trade proposed by the other person. Drunk and drunk. Anyway, I said about this last week, just to update people, I, who was on a terrible record, won my game with the highest uh, points total in the league. Emmett, uh, who traded me... uh, 
got absolutely hammered, got about 50 points and started AJ Green in his team despite the fact <laughs> that he was ruled out from about Tuesday. So that's how that worked out for everybody. This is the guy who made the trade. Yeah. You obviously killed his interest in life, generally. I mean, uh, Ellington did quite well for him. Gronk, you know, oh, okay, he did better than Ertz, who was on bye. Mm. I had to get in that tool from the Jets Amaro, who yeah. was immediately cut this week. Jeez. So he's not that bad, is he? Well, he was bad against the Patriots. Um... Yeah, so I'm playing Mossy Quinn this weekend, who obviously has uh, more on his mind. Well, he put the he gave me he put some hurting on me there this week. Yeah, sure. The game's not till Monday. He's fine. Oh yeah, well he probably will be doing nothing but this then for the weekend. Mm. Um, who have you guys got? We got the new Renux, Billy uh, Joe Pen. I am suffering Titan. Five, five and two. Phil Jordan. Five uh, and two. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's a big game. Two Titans fans in that league. How weird is that? Very, very strange. One of them, I don't know whether it's Philip or Mossy, goes back to when they were the Oilers. Mm-hmm. They're playing Houston this week, so I don't know if there's divided loyalties there. Philip's a bit older than uh, the Mossy. Is he? Yeah, I presume so. They both retired around the same time. Well, I wouldn't, well, I wouldn't like to say. <laughs> we'll have to uh, get their PPS numbers and, and check it out, like Irish Water. On that note, uh, Donny, thanks for representing America as usual. That's what I'm here for. Mick, your less angry version, obviously. Clearly uh, in charge of a 6-1 and one team somewhere along the way. I'm always less angry when I'm talking about the NFL. We'll, uh, we'll be back next week. Enjoy the weekend's action. And remember, for it to be a four-pass, the ball's got to go. Four.